Greetings, and thank you for listening to a newest episode of Secondhand Strife. So, today we are just going to be uh, doing a little kind of upterlude episode where we're just going to update y'all on how we've been spending XP over the campaign, and there will probably be jokes and banter along the way. So, uh, feel free to join us. Feel free to skip this episode if you just yeah. want plot. Feel free to skip this episode if you don't care about our characters because you you're mean. Us. Yeah, if you hate us, this is the episode. This is an episode entirely <laughs> dedicated to the mechanics. <laughs> or, or potentially the entire production we make. <laughs> if you, if hate, you hate us, us why are you I, here? Yeah, if you are, hate are, us, are, what are you doing listening to this? Are you a masochist? Is this your thing? Are you Dad really bored at work? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby's nephew, it's someone who really likes masks. <laughs> so, yeah, Whitney all, and all, all Scorpion, yep, our masochists. I stand by that logic 100%. Masochists. Uh, it's probably going to be cut, isn't it? Canon. No, it's beautiful. No, you better leave it canon in. It's canon now, Bo. All Scorpion are masochists. What are you going to do about it? Say. Halloween is the most masochist <laughs> time of the okay, time of the year. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh my god. Okay, so first <laughs> off, fun. for any of y'all who don't count, um, the first of all, how dare you? I count. Uh, well, our audience probably doesn't have One, a way uh, of counting uh, because uh, our the audience probably doesn't have a way of counting because our recording sessions are significantly longer than our episodes so evan why don't you tell the folks at home how much xp we have hey everyone i'm the person that cares about numbers hey only fake numbers though not real ones we are at 54 xp now which is frankly a number that's true it's a big one it's a big one well it's the more than one. Is it bigger than a bread box? Uh, depends on how big your bread box is, Bobby. Interestingly enough. You. If you have... <laughs> My least favorite question in the world, because bread boxes are archaic and no one uses them, and they should not be a metric for anything. Much like numbers. If you feel the need to annoy Makoto slash Whitney, go into the Discord right now and just ask her if random things are bigger than a bread box. If you ask me this question, I will send you your own custom bread box that when you open it, it's <laughs> and kills you dead. Please don't make promises you can't keep. I would love to have that. I guess we could just settle um, for glitter everywhere. Dear government, right? I am kidding. Maybe. <laughs> oh, we are, dear government, this is we a are joke. So many TSA lists now. Oh no! Can can someone please tell me which book my title oh, wait, is in? The TSA is listening to this. You guys suck at your jobs. What do you even do? That's why are you're you, so bored. Are you listening to five people talk about L five R in case we're making a bomb? Please. <laughs> Evan, Evan, Evan just wants <laughs> Evan just really wants to know how he can apply for that job. Yeah, please give me your job. I also would like to listen to five idiots talk about L5R and potentially making up. had so many plans and then someone hit the record button and now they're just not here anymore. Well, you see, children, I misplaced my book, but uh, in rank two for being the Dodogies. You get to buy a bunch of neat stuff. And I bought 
the uh, Lady Doji's decree, where I get to point at someone and say, you are stupid and you cannot hit me for a number of rounds. Normally one, but there are ways to extend it. Um, this is to represent Kaizo's combination of courtly training and kind of growing into this commanding court presence. Um, uh, someone that stands out in the midst of a combat and tries to bring order in the middle of everything going on. I picked up the Flowing Water Strike Kata, which he's been spending a fair amount of time uh, practicing his technique. It basically lets you bypass armor and ignore the normal use of your weapon, just getting like a quick strike here or there to start debilitating the opponent. I picked up two of the Earth Shuji available, which out of the two, I believe I picked up Honest Assessment and Civility Foremost. Civility Foremost does a very similar thing to Lady Doji's Decree, where I point at a target and say it is dishonorable to attack this person in these circumstances, and then people have to take strife and lose honor in order to attack them because they're breaking the social order of heaven. It's usually used on like other courtiers or shugenja or things in the middle of combat, but I can use it on myself. And then uh, Honest Assessment is a courtesy check to negate a disadvantage. Um, as Kaizo has spent more time around the unicorn and has been kind of put in a more and more position to assist and aid others, I wanted to give him a technique that lets him sit down and say, hello, you have a disdain for courtesy. Don't do that. Just, like, ignore that. And then for the rest of the scene, I believe, or for a certain number of rounds, um, the disadvantage does not apply because Kaizo basically coaches his target through... Um, working with their disadvantages and weaknesses. I think that uh, final. I was just going to say, I think that strategy also allows you to kind of like find the disadvantages of your opponents and try and capitalize upon them. That is a water one, I believe. Honest assessment is like a TM, like it's a rank one or a Shuji that's just like, hey, you're bad at this, but I'll oh, talk okay. you through it. Yeah, there's a water one, I think, or an air one. Uh, air, no, water, ebb and flow, which I can pick up in rank three, and I'm considering. Cool. Um, because I have XP that I haven't spent tonight. Anyway, and then to round out um, Kaizo's rank two uh, XP that needed to be sent to move on to rank three, he had the scholar skill group available. So because he and Masuki have been spending a fair amount of time together off camera, sadly, because it's not dramatic or exciting, uh, so far, at least, um, he has picked up one rank in theology as he's beginning to get um, some understanding from Masuki about how the Ayuchi approach things, the the way that the supernatural world around him works, as well as increasing his culture from rank two, one to rank two as he learns more and more about the cultures and traditions outside of the the norm within Rokugan that he was trained with at Shizukatoshi. Which is kind of impressive, because Masuki doesn't have any ranks in culture, so really, Kaizo's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah, so that's um, that's what Kaizo spent in rank two. Um, I believe I spent a couple, a little bit of XP on some bonds. I have the comrade bond with Doji Nami for their friendly times together, and the, the learning that Kaizo picks up from her. I have the lover bond with Masuki, because please listen to our podcast, it's fairly obvious. Um, and I also have that one. You do? Uh, would you like to take it from here, Soph? Because I've run out of things to talk about because I haven't spent the 9 XP. Sure. Oh, I was just realizing that I accidentally took the same invocation twice, but I just wrote down <laughs> like the, the Gaijin name and then the Rokugani name. Oh, nice. Um, so that's exciting. I'll spend it on something else. But Masuki has been studying different invocations and uh, is still in rank 2. Um, 
she vowed out to take a an increased firing uh, in order to instigate a bit more with Kaizo, since they were both uh, poor Earth Ring focused individuals. Uh, so instigating need to happen. This is the path it took. Um, so she has uh, Hand of the Tides, or as the Gudgeon call it, Shifting Sands, which allows uh, repositioning of people on the battlefield. So I think that'll go pretty well with uh, Momotaro and Kaizo and their defensive maneuvers, moving enemies out, them closer. I'm sure some fun stuff will happen. Also, Artisan's Appraisal, which I get to look at an item and see the maker which is, uh, you know, useful for Ayuchi talismans or any other art, weapons, any investigative things that need to happen. Um, you may or may not know about the infamous Shadow Puppet incident, but she did pick up a some performance there. We'll just not talk about that. And then... <laughs> if you want to find out about the infamous Shadow Puppet incident, please join our Discord. A link will be provided in the show notes of this episode. We have some fun behind-the-scenes stuff that gets cut for the normal drama of the story that we put in the Discord for people that are you know, really loving our content. And so that is one of the things that, while enjoyable to record, um, didn't make for good storytelling and is now sitting in the Discord amongst other goodies. With the bad art. Yep, the secret hall of bad art. Yeah, if you can't find it, ask yes, someone yes. and we'll repost it for you. This is true. Um, and as Evan mentioned, uh, Kaizo and Masuki have been teaching each other what they know. There was actually a really great synergy between what we could both take in our rank two um, classes to level up. And so Masuki has been learning about martial arts melee and martial arts armed. She actually took two points in martial arts armed. Um, trying to be a little less uh, entire. Un- she she took one rank in unarmed and two ranks in martial Got arts it. melee. Sorry. Nice. Um, so yeah, so now she's not entirely, I don't know, as squishy as that very first combat that happened. It was a little traumatic, but... She also took Flight of Dust, or Embrace of Kenro Jaijin, which is allows her to move along vertical surfaces as if they were horizontal. Um, I love which that is, one. I'm, I just can't wait until we can use it. It's going to be great. I never got um, to use the one in the other campaign where I just disappear inside of, like, Earth Mountain and just pop. Oh, the, the Blessing of the Spider, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. That sounds really exciting. Physics. Yes. Oh, and kind of to go with the martial arts training, she also picked up stone shields, or earthen armor, I think was the other name, where basically you just summon rocks to form armor around your person. So, no more stabbing is going to happen. And that is it so far. I'm not quite yet rank three in my school. I blame the shadow puppets. Here we are. Uh, yeah, so, uh, not, uh, really much to say about Moto. Uh, he really took this opportunity to, uh, kind of better himself, uh, all around. Uh, so he, um, basically upped every single ring by one. Jeez. And he also uh, 
he took um, a couple uh, soji sujis um, for uh, rank one and two for that's not the sheet. Where'd it go? Oh, I used it as a bookmark. <laughs> See, kids, it's important to bookmark your stuff. Yeah, so uh, I did a fire ring upgrade, an earth, air ring upgrade, an earth ring upgrade, and a void ring uh, upgrade. Uh, the elements were six points each, and the void was only three points because they only had uh, uh, one ring in it. It's supposed um, to be times the new ring, isn't it? Yes. So six points to go from... Rank one to rank two? Potentially. It's two times the ring value you go to. You're, you're going two, not where you're coming from, right? Yeah, so if you're going to rank three, it's six XP. No, oh, that's two not right. Times it. I thought it was three times it. It is three. Two yeah. is a skill. Right, so uh, that's why we have these little meetings. Uh, so I'll have to <laughs> go back and uh, basically add... Uh, Add three to all the elements and all three to all the ranks, I guess. That's uh, the way to go, which is good because I had like nine XP I didn't know what to do with. So, yeah. No, so um, basically, ring upgrades. I'll redo the math on that one. Uh, Heart piercing strike and lightning raid. Uh, so I had originally thought that I would just make rank three, uh, but with all that EXP to fix my ring math, uh, I am just short. Of- um, so I've been sticking pretty sh- straightforward to the school curriculum because I am a A plus student, brown nosing teacher teacher's pet. So um, I want to want to climb the school as quickly as possible, but my favorite thing in the world to take are techniques. I don't care about adding tally marks to my stats when I can have interesting things happen. So um, I took pretty much every technique that I was allowed. Um, I think we already talked about school rank one, but I had, at least from the beginning, um, cadence and fanning the flames and then, and the weight of duty. Um, in school two, I just got to school three. So in rank two, I took Veiled Menace style, which is the one that lets me secret stab someone um, with a one-handed weapon. I think if they don't know I'm there, whatever. Give them strike, critical strikes and disoriented or whatever. I don't know. Um, something so that I can maybe fight at some point if necessary, but I'm going to try to avoid it as much as possible. Um, I took Dazzling Performance. So anytime I get glory, if I trigger it, I can increase the amount I get. Um, I didn't use it in this arc the one time I had an opportunity to, and I should have because I actually did get glory from it. Um, I took Truth Burns Through Lies, which is like if there's a chance to assess a character's story, I can spend opportunity to figure out what their... um, what statement their story hinges around, which I'm pretty excited. I um, feel like that that fits my character pretty well. And then just today, when we were spending XP, I found a super cool 
fire shuji that allows me to um, it's offend the sensibilities. And basically, I can make offensive art that I hand to someone and they know what it means. And then other people may or may not. And I'm super excited with Ikebana to just make lovely flower arrangements to piss people off. Um, I will definitely be leaving Nami a very beautiful bouquet on the way out of town. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Uh, what else? And then that got me to um, rank three. And then I was also given a title. Are we talking about that now, Bo? Do I, do I uh, talk yeah, about my title? That's, that, this is a good place. Yours is the most public this, from what this, I understand. This is the most okay. public and also to um, – there are probably like several people in the Discord who probably already pieced together that this was happening. So, Okay, cool. So um, my title was Esteemed Negotiator after I successfully negotiated that deal with Yasu. Um, Bo offered me Esteemed Negotiator, which – is dope. Um, I was not planning on putting much XP into it because I don't really care about getting rid of other people's strife. Um, but it, I only needed two XP to get from rank two to rank three. And so if I took government level two for my title um, and got to use half of the XP spent, it bumped me to rank three. So I went ahead and dumped just a little bit in there on government. Um, but we'll see whether I put more into it in the future. Um, and the then major, finally, under rank sorry. three, I was just going to what? say the major thing you got is didn't you get a status up, update for that? Glory, uh, glory. Yeah, you get you get glory, and like if yeah. you read the um thing in yeah, I'm like I'll take ten glory, yeah. and if you read the thing in Quartz of Stone, she like uh Makoto literally like to the letter fulfilled the requirements, so it was kind of hard yeah. to not at least yeah. offer it. Yeah, no, and it's kind of cool, you know, to be like, oh, hey, we heard you uh, you handled a negotiation. You should come help us with this one. And me be very out of my element. Um, I thought about taking the spy title instead, but I definitely didn't. So don't question it. And then in rank three, um, the two techniques that I am encouraged to take are wolf proposal and skulk, um, which I took. Wolf Proposal lets me, um, basically, I can do a courtesy or air check to pretend, to, to basically convince people that I'm more honorable than people think I am, up to uh, a max honor of 100, um, and you get, like, more for each bonus success. And then if you do anything that makes people, like, question your honor, like, wait a second, someone that honorable wouldn't do that, they can then roll to question it. But if not, I can totally try to skate through um, situations that I probably shouldn't be in. And I'm super hyped for that. And then I took hey, Skulk. What? What is your honor rank at right now? I don't have to tell you that. I, it's, I'm literally trying to help you out with a potential scenario. It's 48. Okay. Um, you, so with Wolf's Proposal, you're allowed to also lower the amount of honor that you have oh, yeah, by 10. So, like, if you were, if you were literally, um, you, if you lowered it to, like, to 29, which obviously you can't because you're at 48, you, like, no, people would have... you can do plus or minus an additional 10 for each bonus success. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, like, if you drop 
people will assume you have an honor disadvantage when you actually don't. And so then, like, if they tried to use it against you in court, you would come out with, like, surprise, I'm actually, like, super honorable. And they look like... Well, I you can, you tricked can, you. I'm actually way more honorable. Yeah. You can, like, you can you can raise or lower it, which has some fun abilities. Just wanted to point that out for yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's cool. Um, I can also spend opportunity to, like, figure out if other people's honor is higher or lower than mine, which should be helpful. Um, and then the last thing I took was Skulk, which lets me like like blend into a crowd slash just disappear which will be fun i like that so when people are following me this time i can you know actually catch them in the act but um but yeah that's where i'm at i still have a couple xp left to spend but i have to spend them on water shuji well i don't have to spend them on water shuji i have to spend them on something but for rank three it's supposed to be water shuji and my water's only ring two so i'm trying to figure out if I should take water shuji or finally get a ring upgrade of some kind. But yeah. That's where I'm at. Uh Moto is doing the math <laughs> and um had to uh some switch some things around. Uh so uh originally I had taken um an earth ring upgrade for nine EXP uh to get me up to three rank or rank three, uh, which is always important if you're playing this game. It's not, you know, how many rings you're going up, but um, the final total. Uh, so instead, I took uh, nine, those nine EXPs, um, and I gave myself uh, Lightning Raid, um, which lets me do cool stuff so in combat. Uh, yes, so I thought it was fitting. Uh, lightning Raid. Uh, the Unicorn is famous for its quick strikes, smashing down upon its enemies with cavalry to sow chaos in their ranks, leaving them vulnerable to the rest of the army. Uh, so, basically, once per scene, as an attack and movement action, I can do a TN3 command fire check uh, on any number of characters in the scene, or one, co one cohort in a mass battle. Um... Basically, each character increases their initiative by my fire ring, plus my bonus successes at the beginning of the round. Uh, and if anybody knows, I'm quite partial to the fire ring. Hmm. Uh, if you succeed in a mass battle, one enemy leader's cohort suffers panic equal to my fire ring, plus my bonus successes. Now, Bobby, why in the world would you bring uh, up mass battles? We don't do any of those. I have no idea why I would bring up mass battles, but the lightning ring seems like a good skill to use because I can immediately perform a strike action. Yeah. And uh, I can immediately assault if I uh, uh, against a chosen enemy cohort leader. So that seems quite nice. Cool. Uh, I always like moving and attacking. <laughs> attack, attack. Um, I also took um, I also took stirring the, ember, or stirring the embers um Basically, I can supercharge people's advantages. Oh, that sounds uh, so pretty dope. Instead of rolling two dice, they do three dice. Ooh. And I can choose a target equal to my opportunity. That I, I believe you also can apply it to disadvantages. So they roll extra dice on their disadvantages as well. Uh, so it just as a distinction. Th yep, distinctions are positive and negative, I believe, right? Uh, well, it says until yeah. the end of the scene when that advantage... What are the negative reroll dice? Are they uh, 
distinctions. They're are... adversities. That's right. Yeah. It's just the positives. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, guys, I'm wrong at rules sometimes. Don't worry, it's being cut. Hey, keep this, no, keep this recording. Don't point. cut it. <laughs> no, if you spend a void point to make it an advantage, then that's when it would come into play. So you're incorrect with the little asterisks. The best kind of incorrect. Uh, with the uh, last six that I have. Um, I might have to... Uh, I have some missing skills here that I think I'll add that might be uh, beneficial. Uh, so the, it'll be broken down into one rank of culture, one rank of government, and one rank of... Culture, government, and maybe sentiment. I haven't. I don't have any points in that. And I think Moto is pretty sentimental guy, especially now that uh, you know his heart's been ripped out of his chest. But you know that's cool. <laughs> don't worry about feel it. You, buddy. So uh, as we did kind of hint at, uh, one thing that uh, our Bushi characters are preparing for is. Uh, Kind of foreshadow a bit. We do have a upcoming pretty big mass battle scene, and so uh, Moto, you said that you took lightning raid as a uh, kind of response to that information. I also yeah. really like tributaries of trade, but oh, I oh, dude, that one's amazing. But I feel like Bo will already let me be like, ah, yep. I bought this last time. Yeah, like Bo's jamming style single handedly negates that. I, well, and I don't know that that's necessarily. I think it's thing. good. Like, I think it's good because having to sit down before a court and be like, "All right, guys, what gifts could we possibly need?" isn't that fun. Yeah, like if we I also take haven't it, tried to push this too far. I could imagine us being like, "Oh no, we have this very specific thing," and Bo being like, mm, "No." Yeah. That being no, said, it's, it's you like should a- look at um, Well of Desire. Yeah, I know. I've looked at it. It's like I don't know in a D and D game where like the GM doesn't care about like languages and you're like, cool. Glad I like took these obscure languages and be like, yeah, we don't, we don't really, we don't really do well, that. Like, I don't want to take it if it's just not going to be applicable, but I also want to be like, no guys, I took the thing that said, I get to pick what gifts we found. So you can't summon things out of midair because that's dumb. Well, So, so like we should, we should decide yeah. now while I've, I've used that in the past to give you like a special benefit. Because so let me let me just uh, reveal this information if it was not uh, already pretty obvious. Uh, Yasuki is my favorite character to play most of the time, and tributaries of trade is a starting ability for the uh, Yasuki school. So I am very familiar with using that. Um, is that something you would require us to use or no? I, I would not require you to use it usually. I would give you a bonus if you did is my way of usually interpreting it. I like that. Like, okay. you know, like um, especially because tributaries of trade and like several <laughs> other like uh, merchant kind of abilities are really good at helping you determine like not only, hey, I can get this gift for this person, but I know this person will like this gift. Because whereas like I usually write off – um, I usually write off people's ability to gather a gift for a certain individual. I also usually write off the impact that it has on that individual, right? That's fair. Wait, so so question. Can I use shallow waters, then tributary of trade, then well of desire in yes. a row to figure out what they want, tell you that I have it, and then make it very difficult for yes. them to refuse it? Then I am sold. <laughs> okay. 
I can't wait. Well, um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> as we described, we're going to Unicorn Lands. There's going to be a mass battle coming up here pretty soon. So uh, if y'all are interested in hearing us get up to any of that stuff, I hope that you'll listen to that episode when it comes out. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, it's your host, Evan, your boy, coming to you from the mean streets of Lynchburg. We have spent the last number of days gathering questions from our loyal listeners, some of whom answered literally a couple hours ago. We'd like to thank you for the involvement in this podcast, because without you guys, and I know I sound really sarcastic right now, but for real, without you guys, uh, we would just be a bunch of people talking into mics, and no one wants to listen to that. Except you guys. I don't know how much of this bow is keeping. Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of Secondhand Strife. <laughs> we are glad to have you here. We've got some questions that we're going to ask ourselves, or I'm going to ask me and the rest of the cast, and then we're going to answer them. Um, it's popcorn style, so if you really like, have a burning desire to have one of us answer a question, um, you should have specified that. That's on you. So, uh, to start off from our number one fan, uh, who goes by the name Soph, uh, answered the form first, so she gets her questions asked first. Um, she asks, as her first question, how often do scenes not make it into the podcast? Oh, wait, before we answer that, guys, introduce yourselves. Tell the listeners who you are. I mean, if they don't know who we are by now, this is yeah, not but the they episode know who's to start here. with. No, 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 no. They, don't know, they might not know who we are, even if they know who our characters are, right? Right, yeah, like, like do a little bit about yeah, you as a person. They might not, not remember some of our actual names. fake samurai. Just just say, hi, my name's Bo, and uh, my I name run the Whitney. game. I play Everett. Uh, I play Makoto. People forget that I play a boy because I forget to use a boy voice, and I'm bad at it. I like board games, and my current obsession is Genshin Impact. Um, that, that Take it away. That, that's it for me. Then there's me, Evan. I walk the game. Uh, in fact, I walk many games. I'm involved in a couple other podcast productions for L5R. Um, I'm currently organizing a beginner event for the card game. I love to talk with people about pretty much anything. So if you see me online on Discord and you think to yourself, does that person want to be left alone? The answer is probably no. I'm it's Sophia. Worth- I play Ayuchi Masuki. My favorite color is orange, which is controversial and shouldn't be. Orange uh, is garbage color. I like finding mushrooms in the woods. We'll start a podcast about it. <laughs> I would like to say right oh now, I should not lose honor for that. <laughs> All right, Bobby, top that. Hajime Masha, Roboto Rinchi Des, Sanji Ichisai, Binkyoshimas. Nihongo, uh, sushi desu. Uh, I don't think we can put subtitles on a podcast. Well, that's that's called Google Translate. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yes, read the closed captions to <laughs> figure out what Bob just said. Uh, baka desu. Uh, ano ski desu. Uh, jaa. Uh, yoshiku onegaishimasu. So my name's Robert, also known as Bobby. Uh, uh, I, uh, play games. I lived in Japan for a while. So, uh, Evan's got the, uh, L5R lore down and I got the, uh, the Japan lore down. So our powers combined 
we still we make stuff up. We make uh, one so... functional loop. <laughs> um, yeah, so excited to uh, answer some questions. And uh, hopefully we're not going to open up Pandora's box. We'll see how this goes. Well, that was the final question. Uh, but now that you called it out, it's not a surprise. And we can't open Pandora's box for... Oh, wow, I could not say that word. Um, anyway, pretend that I'm a competent interviewer. And to start off this first question, um, our top listener, Soph, actually, shout out to her for helping me test this forum, uh, asked how often scenes... Make it in the podcast. Bill, you want to answer this? Sounds like a DM kind of question. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, also yep. an editor kind of question. So, um, I wanted to state this because I do think it's kind of one of the big things that I've taken to when editing the cast, is that whenever possible, I don't cut an entire scene. So, like... You guys have probably missed some of, like, the individual words, and, like, there are definitely a couple of, like, jokes that kind of made it, didn't make it past the cutting room floor, but all in all, like, (laughs) I, yeah, there, there is probably less than 10 in the entire recording so far of scenes that have been entirely cut. Actually, I think it's probably less than five. There were two times that we lost audio, and we had to re-record... And that was tricky to try to make the scenes feel like have the same beats as they did the first time, but also not sound rehearsed. And that was, that was sad. Mm -hmm. We did not have fun trying to do that. But in terms of like actually cutting, I think it was just one scene. And it was a lovely example of um, Soph's. We were also asked, where does this fall in the Canon L5R timeline in ffg's setting yeah so uh evan and i have talked a bit about this um a couple of the things that we uh liked about l5r is i personally like uh Tatori as a character and i think that having him as the emerald champion is like a pretty stable position in the empire even though canonically it was only a couple hey, days he got stabbed in um, there so there were like a couple days of being champion is- like three days of being missing and then two days of being champion. And then, you know, yeah. So basically, um, the, the setting that I've always pictured for, uh, basically the setting that I run almost all of my L five R games in is essentially, um, press a pause button after Akoto Totori wins the Emerald championship. And so, uh, Spoiler alert if you're not caught up on stories. Basically, imagine that we are in the fiction timeline created by FFG up to the point where the last stone plate yeah, has the not Emperor been has not been yet. murdered. Spoilers. What? Well, okay, yeah. I think that's what I was trying to avoid, but... Well, he, I... Yeah. But it, it was. It's, that's it's, okay. It happened like a year and a half ago uh, in real life, and... In real life? Yeah. You're you're very yeah, behind. It's pretty funny because so, uh, for those uh, of you who don't, to the person who I can never pronounce their Discord username because I don't uh, care to learn Discord usernames, it's uh, Quesadilla. Casilda, uh, Sabishi, your boy. Um, he asked, "How do we juggle letting everyone shine while dealing with editing and making a strong audible story?" That's a really good question. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. Do do that. So. 
so this question kind of seems like it's directed at me. Um, but of course, I don't want to hog the limelight. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I I will say that um, one thing. Well, hmm. I'm trying to think exactly how I want to answer this because I have some things that could be relevant to say here, but are probably more relevant for a different question. Um, a lot of what we have been working on is um, the experience of running secondhand strife, especially compared to running a typical L5R campaign, is, um, in my opinion, that and tell me if you guys agree because in my experience with us typically playing around a table as compared to the podcast in the podcast i have turned to you guys to kind of lead the scene and make the scene what you want a little bit more so than i typically do at the table which um which has its good sides and its bad sides, of course. Um, I will say that typically when I run anything at the table or on the podcast, my goal is always to try and set forth the problem and then give you the most open playing field that I possibly can to let you solve it. So um, for me, like, you know, I, I don't script out a ton. For instance, in the first arc, the the fight in the middle of the woods against the bandits and like finding ojong was about the last thing that i actually really had planned um and kind of left it to you guys as to what you wanted to do from there but um of course there are some instances of me being more successful than at that than others no yeah no that's a really good question um it probably leads into, I don't know, like, like Bo was saying, it's uh, one thing when you're around a table, and it's another thing when you're kind of like in separate locations recording, just kind of the atmosphere that you go around. But a lot of the scenes, especially early on, are just um, general reactions to what's going on. So, you know, most of the time it's... Um, Yes, we're playing characters, but a lot of the times it's how we would normally react in person, I would think. Um, mm. Except for maybe Makoto, there's some mm. physical differences that would preclude certain things, but still. Um, no, I pretty much act like Makoto would. <laughs> well, which I think you've mentioned is not how you want Makoto to be, right? I Yeah, I struggle between, like, this is what I want to do. No, wait, hold on. I'm not my character. Gotta gotta actually role play i don't know but i i think a lot of our characters are representations of facets of our personalities and anyway that's yeah i'd, off I'd say it has a lot to do with just the really interesting characters that people made because i enjoy my character but even more so i enjoy the other three characters i get to play with and bows npcs and i think that makes for a strong story good characters Yeah, and kind of to bring it back around to answer, to further answer a question that was already asked as well, a large part of like structuring our episodes and what scenes are going to be is half of what gets put on the cutting room floor is us just 
literally pausing and saying, okay, what are we going to do next? And like there's just kind of talking that out. Jokes that so just for so the record. many. Yeah, there's also a lot of stupid I'm jokes. But, um, um, I mean, <laughs> let's call it questionable jokes. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone's jokes more than others. So, uh, on the topic of us, kind of the difference between playing at the table and recording, uh, Sabishi asked if everyone was eager to be broadcasted and how did we decide to switch from playing together to playing for an audience? Um, for me, I was thrilled. Um, I very much enjoy talking and role-playing with these guys, and so I was really excited at the idea of producing something, because I love listening to podcasts. Um, back at the time when we started this, I was working like eight eight to ten hour days, you know, five to six days a week, um, which I just realized is a normal work week anyway. Um, but it was like very like <laughs> manual labor, where like we couldn't, it was just like doing stuff with your hands the whole day. And so listening to podcasts was perfect, because it kept you like engaged. And like thinking about something mentally, and so I was really excited for the switch. Personally, um, I remember when we decided we all sat down in the table at Old Meeples or Meeples Two and had like a good long talk about like goals, like what we want for our characters. We started talking about like rough sketches. I don't know. It was like really, it was like really hopeful. I think back then. Well, I so before this podcast, we Bo was running a uh, another campaign. I guess our first like L5R campaign at the store, the local store. Yeah, it was and, my first for sure. And that was me and Bobby and Soph and Bo. And then Evan came in toward like the end of the, the campaign. Um, I joined a party of three Shugenja and I was not one. <laughs> and we had a, a fourth player too. And I just remember like it was... It was just a lot of fun, and it was funny, and there were multiple times where like, man, man, I wish we were, like, recording this. Like, everyone is missing this quality content, and we would sometimes pretend like we were on a podcast, which was funnier. Um, and we're, like, regretting that we didn't capture it, not necessarily even for an audience, but just for ourselves. So then we kept being like, well, maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we should just do a podcast. And the goal was to really capture the interactions that we had at the table which we've done to some extent but also i think just knowing that we're being recorded has stilted that a little bit so at least me personally i know i've been trying to like forget that we're on a recording and just try to capture that i guess organic interaction a little bit but COVID also has made that difficult um the first couple recordings we did in person and it was a lot easier to read like verbal cues off of each other and I think we've definitely had difficulty with that, all recording separately and trying not to cut each other out or talk over each other or react to jokes and stuff. So we're still adjusting. Yeah, like, uh, so even during just this question and answering thing, it'll be, um, you know, we'll, we'll laugh at each other's jokes, but uh, around the table, it's a lot more, a lot more of that interjection commentary. Um, not snarky, but just, you know, uh, commentary on people's decisions. But it, like when he was saying, it's really hard when you're, you can't see the other person and you don't want to uh, interject or, you know, you're not sure if it's like they're finished with what they're wanting to do or there's just like lag on Discord or anything like that. So, um, but I think around the time, wasn't it so Whitney, when like Adventure Zone like really blew up? 
I think they were finishing up their their first arc. Um, it's just like, well, you know, they can do it. You know, we can certainly do it. I think. I think they had with... finished balance, and they were on amnesty at that point. But we we but we were all just that's getting when... into it. Right. Together. Right, right. But yeah, yeah there was that's... a lot of like Adventure Zone versus Critical Role, and like they're both great, but at least a couple of us were saying we liked more the like camaraderie and the joking and just like the the personality shining and telling a good story but you know capturing the character moments as well versus you know the more um structured like role playing i don't know critical role type things but um i don't want to go on about that too much but that that was a lot of the inspiration for um the podcast so yeah um Speaking of inspirations for the podcast, um, Samishi asked, what are some... Well, obviously, Rokugan Your Way is a very big deal within the Alpha Fire community, you know, empowering players and, and GMs to play how they want at their table. Um, what do you guys feel are some, like, unique uh, secondhand strife ways to play Rokugan? Like, I don't think we've done a whole lot that, like, super differentiates our Rokugan as of yet. But is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, that cursing causes honor loss. That's one of and my And that favorites. if the GM curses, the entire party gains honor. I like uh, that one. Obviously, the fact that all scorpions read all letters unless they are eaten. Oh, yeah, that's a really important, <laughs> like, little bit of lore to bit that everyone knows. Uh, but I think it's pretty, pretty close to the 5e. Yeah, it's it's very generic. We haven't done anything too crazy yet. Um, well, although, things are actually might get more exciting in this arc. Yeah, I was about to say that we played it. We played it pretty safe and standard in the first arc, couple arcs, but the the upcoming arcs have like some really unique ways that we're we're kind of diverging a little bit and starting to explore new territory that I'm really excited to get into. This next question is super wholesome, and I'm excited to hear uh, like sum ups from everybody. But how, guys, how did we how did we meet? How did we connect? Oh. Well, I knew Whitney from pre-Meeple's days, which might be the first. Like, we were both new at university together and ended up connecting and bonding over shared nerdy interest interests and uh, were friends for quite some time. And then... Yeah, we were college friends. Um, Soph was actually our, like, college group's GM. Um, I was, but I wasn't into L5R at the time. No, we did Savage Worlds. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, I mean, we were just getting into RPGs and board games and all that kind of stuff. So Soap was our DM. And then I guess I met. No. Were well, you waiting for someone else to answer? I, I mean, okay. Soap should probably finish saying how she met everyone. There's just, there's a lot of it. Like, oh, I, so. I think we should start with Soap and then kind of like go to Whitney from there and then like build off up to me. Yeah, because I newest. met, I think I met literally everyone else of the, of you guys through Whitney and Meeples. Most of us met at Meeples. Yeah, literally everything else comes from Meeples, so. Heaven just kind of showed up one day. Uh, <laughs> so, kind of well, we We'll get to my story at last because it's the funniest, I think. I would highly disagree with that. Yours is pretty <laughs> funny, but mine's, mine I think might be funnier. So, Bobby, uh, how'd you get introduced to this gaggle group? Bobby was uh, never going to let me live this down. I, uh, I stopped Whitney <laughs> is what I did. Um, Wait, have I heard this? Uh, maybe part of it. 
Bobby it's only really I don't know that. Bobby it, only so learned the truth of our meeting um just a couple months ago. It was over a campfire. Yeah. yeah. In oh the dark goodness. where no one could see anyone's faces. It was a nighttime confession. Yeah. All right, no. you go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, sure. So um <laughs> I was working uh kind of like a night shift and um I was coming home on a free day, and uh, I was at a stoplight, and this car in front of me had a bumper sticker for a church that I used to go to um, back home. And so I was like, wow, that's really weird that, you know, we're three hours away, and there's a bumper sticker for this church. So I was like, I wonder if she lives in my neighborhood, because like, I was about to turn into my apartment complex, right? So we're going the same direction. And she drives past, past my apartment. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just follow her for a little <laughs> bit, right? We'll see how, see how far she goes, right? Maybe she's just, like, in the back part of the apartments, right? And she makes a left, the very next left. Well, this car, I'm sorry. I didn't know who was in it at the time. Um, and so, like, I follow the vehicle. And then I follow it into the apartment complex. And then I follow it into the little, like, cornerstone storefront area. And I was like, oh, they're in the, uh, you know, I saw them go to this People's Board Cayman Cafe, and I've seen it, but I've never gone in it um, because my schedule never let me. Uh, the times are kind of off, right? So, so I walk in, and uh, I'm like, "Hi!" And this person behind the counter is like, freaking out, getting all like uncomfortable, and oh, like, no. "How can I help you?" And I'm like, uh, I, "I wasn't freaking out, but continue." Anyway, uh, my story, my time, I have the spoon. Um, talking spoon. Uh, anyway, so she's like, uh, you know, how did you hear about us? And I was like, I didn't. I followed your car because I saw your bumper sticker. And, um, you know, I used to go to that church. And I was curious if you did too or, or you know, if someone here did. And she's like, oh, that's mine. And... Uh, it's my husband's and from his parents and we don't go there. And I was like, Oh, that's sad. But tell me about the board games. So that's how I met Winnie is a, a doctor. Uh, and then later on, I find out that apparently I shared several traits from her ex-boyfriend and she thought I was her ex-boyfriend who just walked in, <laughs> which uh, explains the uncomfortable. Air. And then said, Oh no, I followed your car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so from my perspective, I was at the store. I think I was, like, the only person there that night. And someone walked in, and I think kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting someone to. And I turn, and he does look very similar to my ex. And so for a split second, like, I thought it was my ex, who's a wonderful person, but not who I expected to walk through the door, and I hadn't seen him in years. So I was, like, very put off. Um, So... I want to I want to make this clear because anybody who has not pieced this together yet is probably really confused. Uh, Whitney owns a board game cafe called Meeples, and it's where like all of okay. us met. Um, Continue. Yeah, so I was very like uh, put off, I guess. Not put off. That's the wrong word. I was very shocked for a second and then was trying to recover and then realized I probably looked very like rude or uncomfortable and then tried to recover. And he was like do you go to life point? And I was like, what? He's like, 
the bumper sticker on your car. And then I put two and two together and realized what was going on. Um, and we had just gotten that car. So at first I had no idea what he was talking about. And then realized he was just some random person who followed me in to ask about my bumper sticker on my car. Um, and then he was like, I like board games. And then he disappeared for two months. Um, and I didn't I ever really see him again. <laughs> and then he showed up for like a, it was like a work board game event that someone else was hosting. And I was like, Oh, it is that person. And then, and then we like actually started talking and got on just fine. Um, it was the dice tower paint event. The, oh yeah. The work event is what I was going to go to, but I had not been part of that team yet. So it was very sad for me when I had the soul-crushing, uh, what was it, uh, call center job before I got switched over to the awesome reporting computer team that went to board games. And so I saw them drive off, and I had to go to my soul-crushing job. <laughs> I was two weeks too late. But yes, it wasn't until... Um very recently that I told him my side of the story of why I kind of had a deer in the headlights look when he walked in the store. So, yeah. So I'm really curious how Eric's or sorry, Evan's story is going to beat that. Yeah. Uh, Bo, you're story. up next. Oh, mine's pretty boring. Um, so the, my story of how I met everyone is, like mostly tied to the fact that like I so I, I met everyone through meeples. I started coming to meeples a lot and then like it just started becoming kind of kind of almost a meme around where like I like I would just it would kind of be like my job. Like I would just go to meeples and sit around and I would just keep pitching L5R to people and anybody who showed any vague interest just never heard the end of it. And you know, yeah, you probably have it the LCG it. too, not just the L the RPG. Yeah. Well, so we we did a lot of like volunteer DMs, you know, like one shots here and there. And so if someone's like, "Hey, I really want to run a one shot in Shadowrun or Call of Cthulhu or whatever," it's like, "Okay, cool." You know, we can try and make that happen. And so Bo was like, "Hey, there's this this system called L5R. It's like Fantasy Japan." I think it's cool. If I get the books for it, can I run something here? And I was like, oh, yeah, dope, definitely. So we ordered the book in, and then I started reading it, and he was reading it, and we started obsessing about it and bringing other people into the fold, and then it kind of snowballed and spiraled. And um, then she never read a fiction again. Yeah, which was... Shut up. Which was by far, like, not my introduction to most of these people except for Evan. It was just my introduction of it was just how I like started to hang out with us so for me. But um, we are located in a college town and I moved here for college and I had a, my, my lovely, lovely roommates that I had, I had lived with for a year had moved out and I was sad. I was looking for something fun to do. And I had seen this board game cafe and I was like, Oh, I love board games. And like, I keep buying them and playing with my family, but they're bad at them. Shout out to my family. I love you. Um, maybe they'll be cool for board games. And so I saw like the address was behind a coffee shop. So I went there one day, I think it was like a Tuesday evening and I checked online and it said that the game store meeples was closed. We're the not coffee open on store was open. Yep. They're not open on Tuesdays guys. Don't try to come here on Tuesdays. But I like went, to, I saw like their door was open and I was like, well, if they're closed, the door will be locked. Or when I go inside, someone will yell at me to leave. <laughs> That's how stores work. And so 
the door wasn't locked and I walked inside and I was like, well, the lights are off. I'm probably not supposed to be here. Someone will yell at me. And then a very employee looking person stepped out from a back room. and was like, oh, man, how you doing today? And I was like, that's a weird thing to say to someone when your store is closed. And you don't want them here. So I was like, nothing much. I just this place looks really neat. And I like wanted to know more about it. He was like, yeah, this place is really cool, dude. Like I it's cool. You stopped in. And I was like, oh, cool. And he was like, I got to go get back to the thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man. Um, I would like to point out to all my listeners that none of this is something you say to someone when your store is closed and you want them to leave. So I, uh, he, he had to say, go do something. So he goes to do something. And I just started perusing games. I was like, oh, these are a lot of cool games. I love all these games. These are pretty cool games. And then it was 30 minutes later and he had never come back and all the lights were off and the door was like shut behind me. And I went, I'm probably trespassing. I don't know what that guy was doing, but I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And so like I very panically like put everything away and left and felt awful and then came back two days later um, because I was looking for a job. And asked for a job. And I walked in and some great things happened. One, I walked in and I said, hello, uh, are you hiring? And they were like, idiot. And then uh, Patrick, who is Whitney's lovely husband and co-owner of the store, goes, oh, you were that guy on the camera the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah, don't hate me too much. And he was like, I I wondered who that was. (laughs) I was like, yeah. And then Whitney, Whitney, because the store is empty at this point, from my perspective. It's very important to note the store is empty aside from this lovely couple who own the shop. And we start chatting, and Whitney's like, hey, what games do you like playing? Do you like Magic? And I was like, no, uh, I don't really like Magic. I do like this kind of like niche card game, though. Um, Not a lot of people play it. She goes, oh, what's it called? And I was like, well, it's called uh, Legend of the Five Rings, but it goes by L5R. And, like, listeners, if you've ever been, like, in a room with hardwood floors and chairs, you like the sound that she- Hold on, here, let me do this. Like, the sound that chairs make when they scrape backwards across a floor, that sound, like, filled the entire store. And I don't know where Bo had been, but he materialized to my left and was like, hey, I heard you like L5R. And I was like, yeah, I, I do. do. Do you like L5R? And he was like, yeah. You want to you play sometime? And then Whitney gave me free promos. And uh, I started playing the card game with Bo. And by playing the card game, I mean Bo just like competitively played the game at that point, And I played like twice. And so Bo just like utterly destroyed me for like three or four months with like no mercy. And then I started playing the role-playing game. Those roles have been very. It, it turns out I got good at the since. card game, and <laughs> now I win sometimes. Anyway, that's the story of how I became part of the friend group. I trespassed the store and then asked for a job. All right, yep. listeners. So go ahead and vote who you think had a better story. <laughs> if you uh, uh, if you don't put any comment or reaction to this uh, episode, that means that you vote for my story being funnier. And if you uh, respond in any way, that means you think Bobby's story is funnier. Okay, so. If you view the episode, that means you think Bobby's story is better. And um, and if you don't, co- it, it, but you know, if you don't say anything to it, mine's funnier. Anyway, uh, that's that question. Um, it's lovely. We all love each other very much, and we're a big group of nerdy friends. Uh, I actually really like this question, which is, uh, if we could change any one thing about the game, what would it be? I feel like crits in combat aren't really substantial enough mm. yet. Got to level up for that. Uh, I'll pay you back off of that one. Uh, it's a C word. It starts with combat. And having more of it. Certain person is tired of hearing that. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, 
It's got to be some danger in our world, right? You can't just walk down the king's road. That is not a comment on the game. That is a comment on me as a GM, and also I take personal offense to it. Here, but I actually enjoy the D20 system. Um, I know D&D popularized it, but you know there's other games that use it. Um, the custom dice, I mean, it works. Uh, there's some like strife mechanics, which do things. Um, but uh, I know the odds play the same, but I-, I like the numbers better than just random symbols. That's just me personally. But yeah, that's all. Um, just as far as like the L5R fifth edition system and the setting, I really am a fan of it, like overall. But I do think it's weird that you never end up using the kind of commerce skills. Uh, there's like a whole section on your character. The skill. labor skills. Yeah, the trade skills is what they're That's called. Because we're not Ronin. Well, yeah, I guess I just want to be able to use them as a samurai without it being dishonorable. But maybe that's wanting to have my cake and eat it, too. Um, I think my answer is the school system. Um, I don't like that you pretty much have to follow the curriculum or only get half as much value out of it. I wish there was a little bit more opportunity to um, veer from... The standard options, or not even the standard options, but like, oh, hey, I want this skill, but I should have taken it, like, last level, and now I have to wait, you know, two more levels to take it. For it it to be efficient. Because because I did it inoptimally. You know what is something in 5e, Bo, that I would like to be changed about the game? I'd like the deer clan to not exist. Uh, In character, guys, who would you duel, marry, and court? (laughs) That's a nice spin, and I would like to know who uh, who provided that question. That's a good question. That's from uh, that's from our good old flying ace GM. How, how about exchange, how about let's say exchange fans with sure dual marry and exchange fans. Wink, wink, audience. <laughs> uh, share a pillow book with. Yes, there we go. Uh, Don't share um, a pillow book. Keep well, it. I can go first. Because Masuki is already exchange fan, so clearly that would be with Kaizo. Um, but it could also very easily be Makoto. So maybe it's the court is with Makoto, Mary Kaizo. Do, does it have to be all four people? Because Dueling Momotaro seems. No, right. no, it's not the party. It's just like which characters would your character do these to? Like they could be NPCs, they can be. She would duel an NPC that has not come up yet. Oh, that's but, boring. It has to be a named character. Um, she would duel that one Gachapon vendor. Arty. Oh, she would duel the <laughs> heck out of that one Gachapon vendor. Well, duel is definitely Kaizo um, for reasons. Uh, court. Uh, maybe. Oh, what's her name? Hmm. Charlie Plater. Nami. 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 Yes. yes. Nami. I'd probably go for Nami. Uh, Court Nami. And then Mary. I don't think Nami would approve. Well, this is Momotaro. Oh, I know. I know. So, whatever. It just makes it even better. Um, I mean, clearly, it, I mean, it would have been Misuki, but, you know, things happened. So, 
he just doesn't know anymore. But that's that's probably what it'd be. It'd be uh Duel Kaizo, uh Mary well, Misuki. Duel and kill and, Kaizo, then you can marry Misuki, like at that and, point. And, uh, Good uh, luck killing me in this game, Bobby. Uh well, you know, you stole my dice, so yeah. yeah. That's why you're doing so well against mm-hmm. those those bandits in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's my answer. Makoto See the the problem is depending on where the plot goes. Nope, it's right now. N- no, but like we're at a crossroads. So like I could either duel and then probably die or quarter oh, Mary Kaizo. Court. It's definitely court. Like is it kill or court? I don't know. Right now you gotta choose right now. Court. Okay, right, right now, now. Dueling Kaizo. Um oh. time to die. Gosh, I don't know. Honestly right now I don't see Makoto marrying anyone you have to pick someone well no it is a valid choice to refuse marry to marry anyone if you made oh, if you so made selfless someone because her answer was out of the character or like wasn't revealed yet you gotta name someone well i think it's different to say oh some random person versus like no like no, I'm they're making, not a I, random person I am they're making important a... to her backstory you just yeah. haven't them yet oh oh i thought you were just saying just like a random npc because no no no, oh, no. Okay. There, there's a specific person got it, got that she wants okay. to show up no i would i would have been fine it's gonna that. come up at some point fight kaizo court ojong marry akika bam done oh it's me uh yep. Kaizo yep. is very yes. clearly uh, currently exchanging fans of Masuki to the intent to marriage. That one's like marriage is the intent there. Um, if it has to be someone else to court, um, hmm, I would have to go with. Uh, no, uh, Kaizo would very much uh, like to do. I'd have to duel someone. Um, it'd always be good to show up a Kodo Obu again, um, but I don't think he's going to be relevant anytime soon. From courting. Because it was less commitment. Oh, we'll go. Yeah, uh, Doji Shizue. Answer the question. I have no idea who that is. Well. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess and they were. Story, they huh? knew each other when they were kids. All right. All right. Cool. Next cool. question. Um. Hey, what do you guys do? Uh, and do okay. you ever feel burnt out? Like as far as feeling burnout, as far as secondhand strife, I know that personally. Probably the first five to 15 minutes of just whenever we sit down. We're not necessarily even recording at that point, but I'm trouble getting into it. And I'll just be like, I don't feel patient. This is taking forever. I want to go for a walk. And then by the time we're in it, I am like having such a great time. And it's like my brain just forgets in between sessions, in between recordings. It's just like, nope, you don't remember if you like this or not. And then, and then once we're doing it, it's great. Yeah, I do the same thing. I'm just like, oh, man, I, just, I don't know if I want to do this today. I don't know if I'm in the right headspace. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling creative. I'm not feeling any character. And then we'll sit down. And then, like, after about 20 minutes, it's just like, oh, man, I missed this. I love this. Why don't we do this more often? But I don't think we honestly have a chance to get burned out enough because right now our recording has not been consistent enough to allow for burnout, I guess. If anyone gets burned out, it's probably Bo because he has to do all the editing. No, this is actually no, this is actually Evan pointed out like a really good like point for me. There was literally a day when like I was trying to convince myself to like 
sit down and edit the podcast more and like keep working on it and i literally just messaged evan and like just straight up asked him like hey evan you excited for arc three and he like sat there and like gushed about it for like a little bit and i was like okay that's good thanks for that and i went back Aww. and was like really like a lot better at that Speaking so of passion and excitement with me i'm glad you brought that up what uh, is the most satisfying part of production i guess the feedback like I, I love the recording in a vacuum and like even if we were just playing and not doing the recording, like I love, you know, like the story like coming together or yeah, like I, I mean obviously I enjoy playing. I find that very satisfying. Um, but what separates the podcast from just us playing would be like the fan involvement. So I love when people have put comments in the Discord or post memes. That's like my favorite is episode specific memes. And I love the discussions that happen, but I guess just like knowing that someone else out there is like enjoying the content is just very, like very satisfying. Um, not, I mean, yes. Okay. I'm the kind of person that needs some external validation. Um, I love the podcast just because I love the game, but, um, if we're going with the most satisfying, it, that's probably probably my answer. For me, quality the most, content in the oh, Discord. See, guys, this is what's cut out. Like, that's a great example. Bo, leave that in. This is like, like if you wonder what content that is being cut, it's mostly someone else is talking, and then I start talking over them and feel really embarrassed and say, "Whoops!" But they keep talking, so it's worse. Sure. And then explains it, and then we just cut that whole thing. Yeah, this exact explanation has happened at least four different times. <laughs> And Bo never leaves it in. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, for me, the most satisfying bit is when, like, a new person that's, like, introduced L5R listens to our podcast. Like, if we can get someone into the hobby, that's literally my favorite thing. Nothing's better than that. For me, the most satisfying part of production, I like playing off of all of the other cast members' characters and also trying to figure out what Bo is doing. Um, so, I mean, I think I came up with an interesting story for Misuki, but for me... For me personally, the most satisfying part is when I get to dive into what someone else is trying to do for their character and help that or help that become more. Um, also, landing jokes is great. I enjoy it when I can do that. Guys, this is the question I've been most excited about. It was asked earlier. And I was asked here again. Who would win in a free-for-all cage match? So we didn't answer it the first time. So Is it characters or... Let's answer Players. cast and characters, because I think cast is unanimous. It's Bobby. No, this is under. What would you like to know about the cast of Second Hand? Yeah. I, I see. I don't know. I think it's I, Bobby. Like, I think he's just probably it's a cage match. Like, we're going into it, assuming we're like preparing to fight each other. It's not like, well, OK, one so of us first jumps important the other. question, Bobby, would you hit us girls? Oh, see, because I... that's that's where I'm like. If he if he doesn't, it's or if a cage he match. If I'm he assuming. Hesitates, if I'm he assuming hesitates, we are all intent to fight. Going straight for the balls, and then you know, wait, fighting. guys. I just ordered some glasses. If I wear glasses, right. are you guys going to hit me? Yes. Glasses. Would you punch a girl with glasses? It's a cage match. I'll like fight anyone. Absolutely. I didn't ask you if you'd hit a girl. I asked Bobby if he'd hit a girl. Uh, Yeah, so actually, I want to go back a question. I I forgot. Uh, My favorite part of the podcast is when I get the big mouse involved by singing Disney songs. 
and you know, I get that nice sweet severance pay. Like that's <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what I really enjoy. Yeah. yeah, we we forgot to mention that most of the scenes that have been taken down were actually just sing-alongs where we right. were singing along to, you know, Forbidden. I'm not going to mention it here. But uh, those songs. Mm, songs of the Forbidden. All right, so, cage match. Bobby, would you hit a girl? Go. Uh, yes, actually. Uh, I've done uh, fencing combat before with uh, female combatants. So if it was a combative set, it and they had agreed to it, then yes, I would. But if it was out... The likelihood of Bobby winning this match yep. just exponentially rose I'm, after uh, that. Fencing and cage matches are very different. I was going to say, like, we'll, we'll see. Moment of truth when you want uh, to punch me in the face, Bobby. We'll see if you can do it. Uh, so I would have to go to Makoto on that one just because the fight would be over before we even knew it started. I poisoned uh, you when we uh, when we shook hands at the beginning of the match. You <laughs> fool. Back uh, when we first met in episode one, I poisoned you all and it just kicked in now. See, Makoto's got to avoid combat because if push actually comes to shove, he is dying real fast. Um, I have He's no a combat very skills. skinny boy. <laughs> That's true. If Makoto gets no prep time, then he, he does not make it. But I mean, if he's... I mean, for all we know, he's probably the one that orchestrated it all. So, mm. <laughs> yes, while Kaizo and Momotaro beat each other's brains out, Makoto's off stealing their letters before they eat them or something. And if Artie's there, then I think it's Momotaro would win it, right? <laughs> just you can't beat that. No, actually, yeah, Artie would just wins. Be wins. Yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't make them fight. That would be inhumane. Wait, absolutely, it's a cage match. No. Yes. Oh, you can't. Cruel. You can't just say it's a cage match as an answer. To- <laughs> I absolutely can't. This is America. I have freedom of speech for at least one more hour. Would you? Would you, you punch a girl? It's a cage match. Cage it was a, a small foal, and you're gonna make them fight. You're a you monster. Bet I will. It's a cage match. It's a cage match. It's a cage match. <laughs> That's what I tell myself before I commit sin. I think. <laughs> Uh, with things that are going on right now, Eric asked us, in what ways, if any, has the pandemic changed how we produce the podcast? I think we addressed that a bit earlier, where we talked about how we all have to do it remote now. Um, we can't read each other's face. I personally am a big fan of this because Soph uh, moved away uh, because she decided that she had a better job somewhere else. And we love and support her for that. You're a fan of me moving away? What? Uh, I'm a fan of supporting you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, I'm a fan of us doing it remote because Soph can't be in person with the rest of us to record. And I always felt bad that she would like miss out on verbal cues and like her audio stood out a bit more than the rest of us. So this way we all sound uh, awkward equally. Uh, Eric's final question, and potentially the most important for us, is do your characters think the Mantis clan should be recognized as a great clan? If not, why are your clan holdings so flammable? That seems pretty risky. Uh... Bo believes the Mantis should not be a great clan, and uh, if I get hate for that, then go for it. But um, I, I, I think that the Mantis's status as a minor clan is more interesting for the story of the game than their status as a major clan. And also, I think that if they were to be a major clan, then we would need to introduce them in the card game. And I really, really don't want that. So So yeah, issue is more of mechanics than an actual. I think that the Mantis's role as a minor clan is very solid and good for the setting in terms of what they do. And I think that they would not be able to do that 
to the same extent if they were a major clan. Uh, especially since like a lot of their lore about like their families and stuff like that, like they they wouldn't really be able to do that as a major clan. And also like part of the Mantis's identity right now is they are a minor clan who wants to be a major clan. And if they become a major clan, then they lose that oh, part of their identity. Then and they're that's just actually a major a clan that's thing. bad at being a major clan. See, it just sounds like yes, yes. It I like think the argument of you know if you you know, succeed in your dreams and you'll have no more dreams, which I don't buy. So their their core right now is to become a major clan, and I think they'll, uh, you know, once they become a major clan, then they'll set their sights on uh, another goal, you know? It's just a surprisingly scorpion perspective Perhaps. from Bo. It's like, oh, let us keep the balance that is currently in Rogagon. Hmm. That's that's Bo's big secret. Bo's, no, I, like, I, big, tightly kept secret is that he's actually a scorpion. <laughs> No, despite the fact that I went on to the last province and the only character that I have published in any sort of media is a crab who is a drug dealer and <laughs> is uh, beloved well, in almost the city all of, of your characters so, you have <laughs> drugs involved at some point. I will. I'm Don't usually your GM, it. so I will worry about it. <laughs> Um, speaking of worrying about things, <laughs> let's not do that with this next question. What a segue. Thanks. I'm really professional. I'm so glad I'm paid for this. Uh, guys, uh, an anonymous person. Ooh, spicy. Uh, anonymous asked us, shipping seems to be very important <laughs> on the server. Who are your favorite pairings and which ones are kind of bonkers? <laughs> Whitney, you're laughing the hardest, so by law, you have to answer first. No, you made me answer the first last time. is what I'm hearing. <laughs> this was Evan. <laughs> Evan would ask this with his name on it. Don't insult me like that. I think the bonkers one is almost harder for me to answer. I mean, I do feel a little bit of a burden playing the, you know, one female main cast member to engage with this. And I don't know if there's any that I can't imagine. Maybe I'm too tame in my imaginings, but um, my favorite, most out there ship is still uh, Ojong and Akika. the Daimyo. Yeah, no, the Daimyo. No, Akika's the Daimyo. No, no, no. Wait, uh, uh, Miyasaki's the, no, the Daimyo. Miyasaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they're like tense, heated, they're like, like they're poetry yeah. slam showdown. Yes. Like, oh man, I felt it. That's uh, still one of my favorite. Like, we roll to ships. like feel how feel hot the, it was. How hot it was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't so, know if that was kept in, but we definitely did that. That is one of my favorite. Like, I think that my like top ship, not gonna lie, ship. is the um. Ah, oh, what's what's the names? Oh, um, the 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 Shishiro that's spoilers dead, and the the Doji guy that was my boss. That they're like trade, the trade negotiations were just. Oh, um, lovers quarrel. Wait, what? That is a ship? Oh Wait, my god! <laughs> the the, the Doji Yasu and uh, Shoshiro, uh, whatever his name was, he was dead, so I don't remember. Wait, yeah, the theater bros Takara. that went to the theater yeah. together? I did yeah. not yeah. realize that was a ship, but now well, I say theater bros aloud. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like there you go. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, huh. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, most most out there, most uh, Momotaro and Kaizo. 
No, no, no. Momotaro and Makoto is more out there than Momotaro and Kaizo. No, I could see that before Momotaro and Kaizo. What? No. I don't think, like, Kaizo and Momotaro would, like, ever be, like, ever be, like, happy. No, but I could see, like, a steamy dueling scene where you guys are, like, fighting neck and neck. Right, they go and fight. Someone, they both get critically wounded, but at different times (laughs) have to nurse each other back to health and, like, trek across the wilderness (laughs) and, like, support each other. It could be a thing, but, like... Evan, Evan, it's a cage match. It's a cage (laughs) match, okay? All right, listen, I'm allowed to have my opinions. You can't argue with it's a cage match. You're, uh, I can. It's a cage match back. (laughs) It's a cage oh, match to cage infinity. Match match. Yeah, oh, it's a cage match to infinity plus one. Oh. Um, but I can't, there's no compelling headcanon for me for Momotaro and Makoto. I can't. Nah, that's like, that's like standard bear twink setup. <laughs> yeah. That's... See, Bobby knows. Hmm. <laughs> That's why I think it's just so boring. You know, it's so vanilla. It's like I didn't like. I didn't mention it as like oh, interesting. Lord. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, never seen that before. Oh. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, uh, outside of the bonkers one, um, I am still, I am still shipping. I'm still hopeful for the friends from a young age, Momotaro Masuki. I hope there's at least oh. some more exploration of. What did I do wrong? Did I? Did I, I still not don't know. Care like, for you enough? Was I not like she interested enough? She was by enough? my side one moment, and the next moment she's got a fan and hanging out with somebody else. I was like, "What? What?" Hey, hey, don't blame Masuki for this. You know? I'm just what? saying. I, no, what I'm saying is I don't know what went wrong. That, that's all I'm saying. So yeah, I'm sure this won't come up at all as we like traverse our hometown that we both grew up in as kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I'm not saying necessarily that that's like my ride or die ship, but like I would like to see some of that explored a little bit more instead of the door just shut on it, and we'll see if that happens. That's up to Masuki. No, um, it's, it's gonna make the Hallmark movie where it's, you, know, you go back to the town. Hey, uh, Bo, this doesn't apply to you, and I'm sorry, um, but for the PCs, for uh, the the player characters. What is something that seems insignificant about your character's past that helps shape them into who they are today? Oh, man, that's like a question we got to really spend time thinking about. Yeah, it's about. a really good question. Well, it's funny because it's insignificant, and I'm just sitting here thinking about all of Misuki's baggage. Like a whole, <laughs> whole closet. Yeah, I know. What, what insignificant happened to Kaizo's life? It's all just been been milestone of sad. <laughs> um... Hmm. Also, non-spoilers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a good question. Uh, I, I have I have one. Um, it's it's not really insignificant depending on how you view it. But Kaizo was always like he always loved like the performing troops that would come through. Um, whenever he had a chance as a child, and part of that of that like the play and the smiles and the storytelling very much influenced his like from a childhood age his love of like being this like pleasant. Um, like entertaining or captivating individual that led to him eventually becoming this like this this Daidoji Bushi who secretly was in love with the the courtier arts of the crane and eventually got in a position where he was able to be recognized for them and got to live his dreams. Something that counts: his love of like theater and performing arts. 
you know, that is fair. You know, that is a thing. If you have them going at the same time, your audio goes down. Um, see, she just left. She knew it was true. I'm about to be struck, you guys. Just wait for it. Yeah, she's going to beat you over the head. Um, no, so just... Uh, like uh, Moto, when he he focuses on something or something new comes in his way, he kind of forgets the things that he was working on, or you know maybe in the people he was talking to, or um, you know not maliciously or anything like that, but just you know uh, specifically like you know when Mizuki came to town, it's like oh it's a new person, like uh, not like the new shiny toy, but just you know, focus of attention and everything else just kind of falls by the wayside. Um, so, yeah, I wonder, well, so that's, you know, that'll probably come back at some point of, um, you know, maybe promises made uh, that were forgotten about or um, uh, I don't know, something like that, I guess. Soph, Whitney. All right, I'll, I'll give it a stab of something that's not something that seems insignificant. Um, so Masuki has always been a bit of a stargazer, um, and has really found a lot of solace in the vast expanse of the sky, um, especially at night, uh, in helping her feel less alone, um, especially with her more scholarly bent, um, just pondering the mysteries of the world. It's uh, something she's had since she was little. Yeah. Hmm. All right, I think I have one. The problem is, I don't know if I'd consider it insignificant, but I, I don't know anything better. So, um, I guess we'll go with it. I kind of just came to the realization that I don't think Makoto had access to a lot of, like, books growing up. Like, childhood, like, fairy tale-type stories. Because me personally, like, that's something that shaped a lot of who I am, is, like, um, you know, what I see in a hero, like, the characters and stories that inspired me. And even if they weren't things I had in real life, they were still things I had in literature. And I think a lot of um, Makoto's problems come from the fact that he, he honestly didn't have a lot of that. So the only relationships he had to judge were like the ones around him. Um, and since his family's very like, you know, no lost love between mom and dad, mom's a Shoshiro, everything is an act. Everything is about putting on a good face. Everything is about success and not, um, you know, not tied at all to like your identity. Um, I think that's part of why when he found a friend in Kaizo, like that was so important uh, and impactful to him was he had never seen what friendship looked like, not in stories, not at home. So that was kind of transformative. Um, 
but yeah, I, I kind of like the idea that a lot of that could have been averted if he just had a better library. Well, then I had one more question I found really interesting, which is kind of like a peek for people behind the curtain. <laughs> what is involved for cast members to participate in recording? Um, what do we like? What's it like for us sitting down to record the podcast? Do you have like a routine? What do you what do we go through? Well, see, we say we are going to start at like, say, six, for example. <laughs> but then we have one of our crew members that owns a coffee shop cafe. So what typically happens is like Bobby one shows up late and blames other, me. One or more of the other members will uh, make a quick stop by said cafe to get a fuel up on coffee before showing up at like 620. And then we'll have some technical difficulties and then the DM will lose honor and we'll all gain honor. And then we spend like another 20 minutes, you know, fighting the the gremlin machine. So uh, and then we'll get that all ready to go. And then the crane has a, a tiny bird, has a tiny bladder. So he has to go use the restroom. And then, you know, it's like seven o'clock by the time we start recording. So that's. Kind of, but the sofa's there perfect. My personal routine to record is I get set up here at the store because when we started recording, I had bad Wi-Fi and uh, really annoying roommates that made too much noise. And so those didn't work out, and now it's become a tradition that I sit in this big, beautiful room that Bobby painted. Um, I usually listen to a Kaizo-specific soundtrack I made, a playlist of different songs to get me like in Kaizo's headspace. Um, once I sit down, I review my like my character backstory document, my notes from the previous session. I pull up and look at my NPC list. Um, I have a couple different like role playing resources. I have a opportunity table that I pull up. I have a couple different tables on like the Rokugani calendar, on like the way fans are used. I have a map of the places we've been to, and then I get them all in, and then we sit there for forty minutes, and then I go pee. Um, so the one thing that I will say about, uh, kind of, um, the start of the process, at least from my perspective, one thing that's very important to note, um, is that I do this at every table that I'm at. Um, I will always start the recording by asking the players what happened in the previous, uh, time that we met. And the reason for that is that I want to ensure that the players felt like the important notes of the previous arc of the previous episode line up with what I think the important notes were, so that if that is not true, I can course correct to either, like, you know, like, I there has been... I don't know if any of them have happened on the cast, but this has definitely happened off the cast where I will say, hey, what happened last time? And then like some player will talk like a while about something that I ultimately thought was relatively insignificant. And I will adjust my planning to try and hit on more of the notes of why they liked that particular thing or why they thought it was important. Um. Because, you know, I, I always want – to me, that is a large part of making sure that your players feel like they are impactful in influencing the narrative. Is like if they thought this thing was important, then they're going to bring it up in their recaps. And if they think it's important, you should make it important. 
which I appreciate as a player. I don't think there's anything more frustrating than the DM that's like, eh, also, I don't really give a crap about that because I want to focus on this thing. Yeah, so you guys have probably heard uh, Soph or someone else. Uh, I mentioned Soph because Soph does it a lot, um, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but like, if you've ever heard someone at the beginning of an episode like recap something that just happened, that's usually why, because um, I just asked them to. So we had another anonymous question, which was, do you think you have anything in common with your characters? I stress the anything because we all have something. We, we all have a lot, I think, in common with our characters. But like, what are like the top two things that you think is you have in common with your character? And then, Bo, think of like one or two of your favorite NPCs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm thinking. I mean, this is a super easy question for me because I've already said so many times that like I forget sometimes to actually play Makoto as Makoto and like. From his conception and writing, you know, his backstory, like, he is a different, like, person, different motivations. I want him to be, like, a, I guess, like, a more brighter, optimistic, like, naive version of, like, me. Um, I tend to be more jaded, but um, he's supposed to represent, like, the good things. But, but yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of inspiration comes from, like, personal life. But I, I think especially the, um, if I had to pick, like, one or I guess two things just like constantly feeling like you have to like wear a facade and like put, put your best foot forward, put on, you know, a good face and decide how the world should see you um, to succeed. I think is like big driving motivation. Um, And then also love of like secrets and gossip. Like that's definitely I, I don't care what the secret is. I just love them. So, um, yeah, that was a softball question for me. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, for Kaizo, it's super easy as well. Kaizo, Kaizo's primary when I created him um, as a Daidoji, as an Iron Warrior, is his goal is to protect and shelter people that can't defend themselves, and that is like one of the deepest rooted parts of who I am from forever ago. Um, I think beyond that, Kaizo. Kaizo's enjoyment and desire to um, charm and befriend and like be a pleasant, helpful person in social situations is also something that I can definitely relate to. Um, I guess I'll go next then. Um, well, we have the uh, dead space. Uh, I mean, a lot of Momotaro is the same. Uh, probably just want a little bit more of an idealized version. Uh, still tall, long hair, luxurious beard, you know, good with kids. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, easily distracted. Uh, oh yeah, just kind of the, uh, Mostly the same. We also kind of like answered this question a little bit earlier, but so yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd be able to tell you exactly like where I end and Masuki begins, which is a lot of characters that I write. Um, 
But I think one of the things that I feel the most in common on like a deeper character level when playing Mizuki is how she does want to genuinely like befriend people, not in the same way that Makoto does. Like Makoto definitely has the, a very strong arc about belonging, but just as far as pushing people away because you don't think you're going to care for them enough. It's a it's a different flavor again for Makoto and not really her main thing. Um but also, you know, she's a nerd. I'm a nerd. She likes to draw. I like to draw. She's a bit of, you know, fish out of water unicorn in L5R. I'm a bit of fish out of water as the least L5R steeped person in this group. Um, yeah, those are just a few things off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, so... Oof. I don't really know how to answer this question, because I play everyone. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to take a bit of a different spin on it, and say I, I think that one of the things that I um, related to that I wanted to kind of show off is um, specifically with Ojong, like the idea of... Um, someone who like wants to help and does so despite like kind of like messing it up isn't the right word but like not doing it yeah like going about it a little bit the wrong way and like being like i think that i can be a little bit headstrong sometimes kind of like i think ojong was showing in that arc to be very headstrong and like you know well-meaning but very headstrong and yeah so there you go um so a couple things so thanks for listening this week uh like i said i know it's um a bit of a lull in the action but we're getting back to it uh next episode it'll be a good one so um make sure you stay tuned couple shout outs for um the group first off uh yeah um so uh me and Evan have been working a bit behind the scenes. Uh, the BGG con at home is doing like a big discord event and uh, edge studios has uh, gotten me and Evan to do some of the uh, GMing for uh, the participants oh. in the con. So if you are going to be participating in the BGG at home, 2020 con, and are interested in doing some L5R? You can play with us. Uh, you might get yeah. me or Evan as a GM. Slots. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We just got our schedules so, uh, back. If you want more information on yep. that, watch We're gonna, Discord. You can't see, yeah. but I'm sticking finger guns at the camera. We don't know what the module is yet, but it'll be cool. Yeah. But we're super we are excited. Talk like this the whole also, time. pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Also, Evan was recently on The Last Province. I don't think I have mentioned that on an episode of Yep, we talked about the crane. So and go the listen to that. where Hitomi is mad. Yep. Also, uh, anybody else have anything to plug? My phone in. It's almost dead.
Whitney, you should stop playing Genshin Impact on your phone. I'm not. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Go follow us on all the stuff. I'll probably put my standard closing in here. Bye, fans. You're the best. Yeah. Yeah, for real, guys. Like, if you can put in this bit where we, like, thank you guys for doing this. Growing this is fun, obviously, together, but doing it and seeing you guys love this and all the questions you've put in has made it so exciting to continue producing and hopefully get to another round of Q&A sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to ask us anything on Discord, so it doesn't have to stop here. You may or may not get a straight answer. (laughs) All right. Catch y'all in the next episode.